is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Rocking and rolling on a Wednesday. It's the Steelers Blitz here on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Wesley Euler riding solo this week. You know that means I'll get to your tweets here soon, but we have got to hear from the captain, the quarterback, the future Hall of Famer, Ben Roethlisberger. It is a Wednesday here on the show. If you know anything in Steelers land, it's that Wednesday mornings are the day of the week that the quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, speaks to the media. Um, Ben's Day, Wednesday, it's one of the things we look forward to here every single week. Just a couple minutes with the quarterback, how he's feeling, uh, what he thought about uh, the win against Denver, and then starting to look ahead to the game against Seattle Sunday night at Heinz Field as well. Here's Ben Roethlisberger earlier today. The challenge at the offensive line that was given in the last week, is there a similar one this week? Hey, you made improvements and now you got to do it again. Yeah, Coach Coach Cannon, we literally just walked out and he, he said that exact thing. You know, we challenged you guys, um, said a couple names specifically, challenged you, you stepped up, and now the key is not to take a step back. We know what you can do, and, and now you just got to keep doing it. So it's funny you asked that less than five minutes ago. He just echoed those same things. Ben, I know you're disappointed and, and feel bad for Juju. How much that do for you, the offense, and the It's awful. Um, and I'll and I'll I'll speak selfishly. I'm I'm hurt because I miss that guy. I mean, what he brings to this team, his energy, his excitement, um, the leadership, um, sucks. It really does. And, and I'm not even the one hurt. I mean, I'm, I'm I, I spoke to him on Sunday night and just I, I felt his pain through the phone. Um, speaking to his mom as well. Um, it's just sometimes things aren't fair and we don't know why they happen. And a guy that has given so much and a guy that means so much to this team and to me specifically, um, it's not fair. Ben, how big of an opportunity is this for James Washington? Well, it's a big opportunity for a lot. Of, I mean, for Ray Ray, for, for James. Um, Cody's going to get his shot, I'm sure. Um, we need guys to – because it seems like every week one of the guys have been down for something. And so – um, moving forward now without Juju, we're going to need everyone to be healthy as much as they can be every week. So, uh, you know, I, I think James is excited for the opportunity. I think Ray Ray is as well. Um, and so we'll, we're going to have to utilize a lot of people, you yeah. know, their positions too. As an offense, how do you guys replicate some of those intangibles? Like you mentioned that Juju brings the energy, the leadership. How is there a way to replace that? You can't replace Juju. In terms of uh, the analytics crowd, I'll say you can get a running back anywhere in the draft. You just plug any running back in. Uh-huh. Have you seen a difference with Najee in terms of what he brings to the offense? Not only as a runner, but as a pass catcher, the entire package of everything he does? He's got the, the total package. I think it's just now getting comfortable, getting used to playing in the NFL, and I think you've seen steps every week. Um, you know, last week getting his first 100-yard game and, and um, you know, catching the ball in the backfield and understanding um, kind of what it takes in the NFL. I've joked with him, and I've probably said to you guys, is that, you know, in college it was probably easy a lot of the time. You know, playing in a semi-pro team in college, it's it's different. Um, so to, to, to have to come to the NFL after having so much success in college and understanding that it's not always going to be that easy, um, it, you know, takes some getting used to. And I think he's getting that. I think we saw last week. 
Um, some really hard runs, some some good catching. I think late in the game he was, I think, cramping or something and affected him. And, and he told me when we got to the sideline, and I told him, I said, that's you're allowed to cramp, you're allowed to have those issues, but you need to tell me on the field so I don't throw you the ball. Um, but, you know, he's growing, and, and I think he's just going to continue to get better. Ben, since you've come in the league, the teams going hard around the league on fourth down has dramatically risen. I think it's mm-hmm. on record face again this year. Why do you think that is? And as a quarterback, do you like to see it? And would you like to see it tried more here? I assume that the the appropriate answer is because of analytics, I guess. And that's become such a big thing in the NFL. Um, people want to put trust in their quarterback or their offense or whatever it is and figure why not take another shot with it. I think if you're in, if you have a manageable situation, why not? Um, I've, I've joked with Coach Tomlin about it before. He, he joked with you. I don't know if he was joking, but yesterday was saying, asking the same thing. He said, well, quarterback's not that mobile. So, <laughs> it's not hard to, not hard to quarterback sneak sometimes, Coach Tomlin. <laughs> you know, he's referenced, he's referenced twice, uh, or at least each of the last two weeks, that his quarterback's 39 and not very mobile. When you yeah. hear that, does that bother you? I agree. <laughs> uh, obviously, with losing Juju, you lose one of your top three receivers, but you also lose that inside guy that you've built so much chemistry with. I mean, is Chase someone who can step into that? He was doing it more uh, against the Broncos. And how comfortable are you guys with all the intricacies that go into that before? Playing the, the slot position in the NFL is different than playing outside. Um, it's just a different animal. Uh, I think we have a lot of guys that can do it, but it's a feel thing. Uh, and you don't want to take away a big body outside that's got special skills. So. Um, you know, I think you'll see probably some more utilization of the tight end and running backs in there ben, and different talked, guys. You talked about how we were going to see growing pains before the season start on offense. Do you think you found something now? Listen, we're not by no means we're going to sit here and say, oh, we're fixed, we're this great offense. We're, we're, not, we're not there yet. Just like last week after a loss, I'm not going to sit here and dwell on, you know, the losses and where we're bad. After a win, I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, this is all the good things we're doing. We still have a long way to go. Um, and we've got a really um, talented defense coming in here this week. Ben, you mentioned the tight ends. How is your progression with Fryer Moose? How do you think he's, he's growing this year? I think he's doing a, a really good job. Um, and I probably need to be better at getting him involved more um, because I, I, I trust him. He's in the right spot. I think he had a couple big third down catches last week. Um, so it, it, it's on me to get him more involved. And, and I need to start making, I think, a, a more conscious effort to do that. I mean, he's everywhere on the field. Um, you have to try and understand where he is and know that he might not be there when the ball snapped. Um, what a great run stopper, a big hitter, um, he, you know, a thudder. I mean, he's a guy that you, you have to be aware when you're throwing a ball that you, you try not to get your receiver killed when you throw it. Just an understanding of the offense, um, and, and I hope that we'll get to see more. I mean, he'll, he's going to get a shot. He's going to get his chance. He's very shifty and quick, and um, he's one of those guys that I think if we can get the ball in his hand quickly, hopefully good things can happen. Ben Juju is known for his toughness on the field of yards after catch. How have you seen him kind of impart that to some of the other receivers in the room to be able to kind of pick that up now that Juju's not there? You know, Juju's one of those guys that isn't afraid of contact. Um, but you got to be built for it too, and he is. Um, always was 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 a guy that was physical and uh, kind of set the tempo. So hopefully other guys will just 
you know, carry that on. Ben, how, you, uh, 35 rushes to 25 passes last week. How much do you pay attention to that? What's that mean to you? I know the game could dictate that. Yeah, I didn't even know the, don't know the numbers. Um, and honestly, it's just about what we're doing. And, and winning the football game is the number one priority and, and always should be however we have to get there. Um, and, and like you say, it's when the game dictates it too, right? The first couple games we've had to throw the ball because we're down. When you have a lead, you're kind of able to do some different things. And um, listen, we'll, we'll take wins however we can get them. You started out talking about the offensive line. What would the addition of Zach Banner mean to that group? What kind of intangible receiver? Well, he's a he's a guy that's been here for a while. He's a guy that's um, has a lot of heart and a lot of fire, passion, um, and and sometimes that's you know required when when things aren't going as well. We've always kind of had that guy that's got that fire and that passion. And so uh, I'm not really sure what's going to happen in terms of who's going to be out there, but um, having the ability to have a guy um, out there like that is it, it's better to have someone and be ready to go than not. And uh, you mentioned Farman. Ebron has not been featured as much last year. He's not getting as much playing time. He's a guy, at least in our experience with him, is not afraid to speak his mind. I'm sort of curious how well, I had a big third down catch last week, um, and I think honestly, I don't think anybody um, in, in the skill side of the of, of the offense is having the season that, that we've we've hoped for yet. Um, and that and that really comes down to not winning football games. That's what we all should want to do. Um, nobody's really had a huge game, um, and so I think everyone's just doing a good job of being patient, understanding that. Once the offense starts to click a little bit, hopefully everyone will be able to, to start to reap the, the rewards of that. Guys, two more. I was going to ask one other thing about Juju. I mean, yeah, you guys lose his production on the field and the leadership, but he's still going to be around, right? I mean, he's still going to be hope so. guys on the sideline and, and the bench. What can he provide so. in, in that regard as he's gotten older, matured? And Just being Juju. That's special. Are you friendly with Russell Wilson? You know? I do know Russell a little bit, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Not easy. Um, you know, I, I think if you're a quarterback, you've dealt it at some point uh, to different levels. And uh, I think we all probably saw the, the, the image of him playing and that finger just kind of hanging there. So um, very unfortunate, but I know Russ well enough to know that he'll make the most of it and he'll bounce back as soon as he can. Ben Roethlisberger there, his weekly Wednesday media availability. It's a bummer. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's it's works out for the Steelers that you don't have to face Russell Wilson, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But it is always a bummer as well, too. You know, you love those five-star matchups uh, between two future Hall of Fame quarterbacks, two Super Bowl-winning quarterbacks. Um, and as much as it is a break for the Steelers that they don't have to see Russell Wilson, you do, you know, kind of the fan in you, um, you know, always loves to see, you know, quarterbacks go at it. And this was probably the last chance we'll ever have to see Big Ben and Russell Wilson play against each other, unless I guess the Steelers and the Seahawks meet in the Super Bowl this year. Um that that stinks. It is a break for the Steelers that you're, you know, that you don't have to face one of the top five quarterbacks in the league. Um, but it stinks at the same time. The the fan in you, the football fan in you, it, it is a bummer. At the same time, Wesley Euler with you here on the Steelers Blitz on a Wednesday, having some fun, rocking and rolling. I did want to uh, play you another little piece of audio in this segment as well, too. Uh, Gene Steratore, former NFL head of officials, now works for CBS. He, uh, you know, joins our building, joins the DVE morning show 
every week to discuss um, the Steelers games, some of the most controversial calls that have happened. Always love to hear what Gene Steratore has to say uh, after a Steelers game. Take a listen. A beautiful morning in Pittsburgh. Joining us right now, sponsored by Ireland Contracting and Southern Tiers Overpack, mixed 15-pack. Are you overpack for game day? Zebra Talk with Gene Steratore. Gino! Hey, good morning, everyone, and good morning, Val. Good morning, morning. Gene. Gene, have you ever thought about doing a a true crime podcast where you do a podcast of how the refs stole games from teams through the years? (laughs) 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 You get an idea there. Yeah, yeah. The the math thing has really been a natural for most of the officials, you know. Yeah. Uh, We've been accused of being thieves for years. Yeah. Like, the math could fit. It was kind of, you know, a fashion statement for us. We came out with it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, the one thing I wanted to ask you today was in the Cincinnati game, Cincinnati Green Bay, the kicker for Cincinnati, you know, I think it was in overtime, kicks a field goal. He thinks it's good. He's celebrating. He thinks the refs are messing with him. It is not good. It hits the the flag that you know the wind indicator. So it was clearly wide. But there had and he's celebrating, which was kind of hilarious. And very even when the Bengals are good, they do bangle things. But have you ever screwed up a field goal? Because I would bet there's times where like you're you're looking up, 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 and you can just kind of get discombobulated. And uh, you get it wrong. We could fill the morning with my gas run, but yeah, I had a few of them. Uh, I know my rookie season, I was on a Sunday night game, Green Bay and Minnesota, in the old uh, Minnesota Stadium and a field goal. I was under the upright at that time. I wasn't a referee. And, and the thing went, you know, it goes right it's above the pot, you know, the, the upright. And, and I put it up as good. And you know, I remember my referee punched out. He brought me over. He said, hey, rookie, uh, the ball has to go inside the upright. <laughs> it was one of those optical illusions, you know. You're yeah. looking all of a sudden. It's like, whoop, it's gone. And well, that's yeah, good. Yeah. Good. What? what I, no. think it, I missed it. What, what would happen if that happened now? If, if, if they would have called that good the other day, you can't challenge that, right? That's exactly right. With the ball going over the upright, once it's above the upright, it's no good. Uh, yeah, or not reviewable as yeah. well. So yeah, we would have lived with that one, and I would have been a real busy person this week. But should it? If it did, so if it did go below the upright and wide, and for some reason they called it good, the other team could review it. Uh, be an automatic review, but yeah, it would be uh, it would be reviewable if the ball is. At or below the height of the upright, it okay. is a review. That's interesting. Play, you know? Why is there designation? I, a, I think it's because you can then make a definitive statement of where the ball is in relation to the upright, Mike. Instead of getting the uh, protractor out and trying to extend the uprights higher or something like that, you know, it's a a black and white issue. If the ball is you know below, you can see it. I actually in Division Two basketball at Shippensburg. Decades ago, I didn't have my contacts that day, so I wrapped. <laughs> <laughs> Come on! Uh, it was a beautiful day. I'll never forget this. There was a there was a legend. Uh, Roger Goodling was the head coach of Shippensburg, but uh, halftime it was like a, one of those three quarter court, you know, last second shots. And uh, I was the trail official. Uh, you know, that was my responsibility. And and the ball went right in front of the front of the rim and hit the net. You know, and it kind of just went right down and. 
I'm at three-quarters court, oh. back to that free-throw line. I'm banging it through. Good basket, you know, and everybody leaves. Like, the, the guys went to the locker room. and So I walked toward the table, and a couple of guys at the table looked, hey, Gene, come here. This is what I'll tell you. It didn't go in. It, it, it went right. It was short, but it hit the net. I, I said, are you serious? He, he said, yeah, I wouldn't lie to you about it. So uh, I had to go to each <laughs> locker room, you know, in, in the quiet little tap on the door. Coach, could I see you for a no second? No way. Uh, yeah, yeah, it happened. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh. <laughs> never, I never forgot my contacts after that. I will say that. <laughs> Awkward conversation for sure. Uh, you know, Gene, I took it as a plus, though. I was selling the call. Like, nobody questioned it. Right. That's when I knew I had a chance in the business. Yeah. <laughs> you just have to commit. <laughs> If you can sell this one, I got some stuff for you guys. Yeah, we can really sell a lot of toilet paper. Yeah, I got some toilet paper in Western PA I'd like to sell you. Uh, you know, one thing that happened during the Steelers-Bengals game this week, and sometimes this seems to be a trend in a game that you're watching, uh, the right tackle for the Broncos seemed to be... For, for Pittsburgh, too. Yes, Chooks got called a couple times, though. Every play. But it seems like that right leg is coming back before the ball is snapped. Uh, what is yeah. that? Is there something there that makes that not false start? Uh, it shouldn't be. I mean, any 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 movement prior to the snap, especially the five up front, right? Sometimes on the wide guys when there's not press coverage and they have a little hitch, like a beast thing, right before the uh, before the snap, you you stay away. But inside, the the kind of the the mantra is, you know, a flinch is a flinch. So anything. That is that is before the snap inside needs to be shut down. But the tackles inevitably are trying to gain an advantage some way or another. It's either them not being on the line of scrimmage, and you'll see them start to kind of cheat that a little bit and, and be a half a yard off the line, you know, where it's right in that gray area. But, but he's getting beat by that defensive end or that linebacker, so he's trying to win a half a step before the snap so they're not legal technically legal, you know, on their pre-snap setting or where it's that little flinch where they time it, like try to time it right with the movement of the ball to win that fraction. And, uh, and that fraction is, uh, is, uh, is a lot of time and a big advantage if they can get away with it. But, but it definitely is, happens, you know, and it happens frequently. Why, though? Why doesn't that get called? Like, I don't understand how they can't see it, but you can see it on TV, and it's not just one play. It's like a trend. You gotta be dialed in, man. Gotta you know? be dialed yeah. in. And I mean, it, it is, you gotta be dialed in. And it's you know, similar to what we talked about last week. You know, you really have to be that focused for, uh, for that fraction. And, uh, and there's a lot of times when, when you actually think it is, and then you do look back at the tape and you're like, he moved right with the ball when everybody else was that fraction behind. So he, it gives that, you know, perception that he beat the snap. So, uh, but, but you've got to work on that constantly. Gene, there was a guy sitting in my section on the game on Sunday who just kept calling out all of the penalties before the actual referee did, and he said he went to referee school. Being the Pope of all referees, is there any kind of atonement that you can issue or any kind of demerits that you can give just random people in the public thinking they're referees? Maybe he was off that day. Maybe he is a ref, you know, and he just he didn't have a game, so he felt like he needed to get through the day and make his announcements and things like that. Unbelievable. Uh, there, there, there's an academy. We have a ref academy, so that we're we're out there and uh, and having little you know things. But 
you know, maybe he was just working on his delivery that day to see how oh. his announcements would go. And, you know, but I know it drives you nuts, right? Yeah, especially, you know, after he'd had about six tall boys. Uh, I don't think they recommend that. <laughs> you know, anybody impersonating a ref is already not a very wise person. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> one thing to be a ref. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you are a ref and you're in that section, you're usually the guy that everyone's turning to and you're going, I have no idea. I don't know. I'm just enjoying the game. But uh, <laughs> those that are out there trying to seek attention to be an official, yeah, it probably was the tall boys talking. So, yeah, I think it might have been that. <laughs> hey, Gene, the specifics of the leverage rule, you're allowed to leap over the long snapper as long as you don't touch him. Is that how it goes? Oh, yeah, what, that's a that's a part of the rule book that's beautiful. The leaping and leverage elements of the game, yeah. But in the sense of leverage, using your teammate or an opponent to gain additional height or to push through and gain extra momentum toward uh, toward the kicker. Most times, uh, both of those are are illegal by rule. That's a it's something that happens more frequently than you would think but it doesn't rise to the level of being a foul, whether he pushed off to gain an advantage of height. or It's the one I didn't like was when they would push to get through that gap and use both, both players, usually an opponent on either side, and try to push to gain that additional momentum forward. Uh, but, but it did occur, and it was a good call this week. The other one is the, is the leaping, and you're allowed to jump and land on an opponent, provided if you're the defense, you're within one yard of where the ball is snapped. But if you are more than a yard off of the ball on the defensive side, basically getting a running start, right? You can't then leave your – if you leave your feet, you have to, you have to clear everyone. You can't, you can't touch anything coming down. Uh, if you do that, then that would be a foul. But, uh, but it was a good call and a big call. So the Broncos uh, got called for the defenders using each other to, to gain an advantage, not for hitting Christian Kuntz. Correct. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And you can't lift your opponent. So we can't snap the ball and, and someone turn to their right and lift their buddy up, you know, <laughs> kind of thrust him airborne to gain additional advantage, you know. So Gene Steratore, brought to you by Ireland Contracting and Southern Tiers Overpacked. Mix fifteen pack. Are you overpacked for game day? Always a pleasure, Gino. Thanks for making time for us today. You got it, guys. Have a great week. Okay. Gene Steratore. Pennsylvania's own former NFL head of officiating. I believe he was also a uh, NCAA tournament official as well, too. Uh, great stuff from Gene Steratore on the DVE Morning Show. As always, love listening to those guys chop it up. Uh, David tweets us and says, I can listen to Gene Steratore giggle all day. Warms my soul. Yeah, I, I, I love those conversations. He's a guy who knows obviously a ton about the intricacies of you know officiating and what goes on behind the scenes in that regard in an NFL game. Always interesting conversations, um, and I just I, I love when they kind of pick his brain about some of the rule book stuff and some of the differences and tweaks and um, what is allowed, what isn't allowed. Why do you think the refs saw this this way? Great stuff as always from Gene Steratore on the DVE Morning Show. Wesley Euler with you here on the Steelers Blitz on SNR. We're going to get to more of your tweets, plenty of your tweets, as we roll along. At Wesley Euler, that is where you get involved if you want to join in on the show. Um, 
had a little Ben's Day Wednesday. We'll do our power rankings when we come back here after one more commercial break. I did want to get to this tweet from Calthrop. I think so. Calthrop, yeah. Tweets and says, um, you know, it finally looked like Ben was running Canada's offense this week. Can we expect Ben to continue to push back against some of those concepts? Um, you know, I fear the words, the plan has to adapt every week because that sounds like a code for 60 passes coming. I, you know, it's it's tough. It really is. Like, I, I think the offense is going to be adapting and evolving every week. But I just don't see, unless the Steelers fall behind, you know, and, and, and like similar like they did against the Raiders, similar like they did against the Bengals, I guess you could throw the Packers into that conversation too, even though the Steelers did uh, open up the scoring up at Lambeau Field and they scored on their first drive of the game. They were still trailing for the majority of that game. As long as the Steelers aren't in situations where they're down double-digit points, I, I, I feel like Najee Harris is going to be a, a huge part of this offense, right? I, You know, I'm, I'm chief most amongst the people that are banging on the table here all the time saying that, you know, you need Ben to throw the ball 25 to 35 times a game. That's the sweet spot. Run the offense through Najee. Get Pat Fryermuth more involved. Only two targets last week, but that's a completely different conversation. But I just, the only way I see Ben throwing the ball 40, 50 times a game is if this team falls behind by double digits. They got to stay ahead of the sticks. The offense has to continue to put points on the board early. And when that happens, they're able to make Najee Harris a huge part of the game plan which I think opens up everything else. I don't think. I know it opens up everything else. So if the offensive line continues to progress, and and boy, did they certainly have their best game of the season on Sunday. And we all know progression is not purely a linear thing. Sometimes it's two steps forward, and then you take a step back, and then two more steps forward, and then you take a step back. But if the offensive line can continue to build upon what we saw on Sunday and what feels like has been better performances week by week, Again, not perfectly linear, but but certainly better last week than it was week one. Najee Harris is getting more and more comfortable, and he's doing more and more. I, I don't think that you'll have to get into those situations where Ben's throwing the ball 40, 50 times a game. That, to me, is is the biggest kicker for the offense the rest of the season. The biggest factor, X factor, whatever you want to call it. Stay ahead of the score. Stay ahead of the sticks. Don't fall too far behind. Score points in the first half. Keep games close. In that way, you keep Najee Harris a big factor out there. And that feels like it is the identity that they're starting to slowly but surely carve out this season. On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, I get to more of your tweets when we return on the other side. We'll also do our weekly power rankings, everything on the table when we return. You know where to get at me if you want to get involved. It's the Steelers Blitz on SNR.